When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hello, and welcome to Dyslexia Devoted, the podcast dedicated to building awareness, understanding, and strategies to help those with dyslexia. I'm your host, Lisa Parnello, dyslexia therapist and founder of Parnello Education Services. Join me as we dive into today's episode of Dyslexia Devoted. Hello, friends, and welcome back to another episode. What do you do when a student isn't doing as well as you expected or hoped for? Welcome to episode 48 of Dyslexia Devoted, and today we're talking about the different reasons a student may continue to struggle. This episode is inspired by a question from Suheel over in the Dyslexia Devoted Facebook group. So if you're not part of the group, make sure you join so that when questions come up, you can ask them. So remember, this podcast is totally for you, not really for my benefit. So make sure you ask your questions because I love answering them. So before we get started, here are a few little updates. First, I'm going to come to this with as much energy as I can muster. But right now, we have city cleanup in my city, which is when you get to throw everything you don't want out on the street, and theoretically, it all gets taken away to the dump or to the land recycling center. But in reality, it is also when the other people who take somebody's trash and turn it into somebody else's treasure. So when we go and put things outside, it actually, we try to do it carefully as possible. So in our case, it was really, really heavy furniture this year, and it is now already gone to a lovely new home of people who could really use it. So it is a very helpful time of year for everybody to clear out the clutter in their house and the junk they don't need. And what really is trash, like really rotten wood, that is definitely going to the dump because nobody needs that. But the actual usable stuff goes to other people in the community that drive by and pick it up and the recycling, metal recycling people go and recycle the metal and all of it goes to a good cause but it also causes me to be extra tired today. So I'm going to do my very best to bring the energy because I really am excited to talk about today's topic. Before we get started, I wanted to let you know that the pre-sale pricing of my latest course, The Educator's Guide to Dyslexia, is only 50% off until this Sunday, May 7th, and then the price goes up. So make sure that if you are interested in that, that you go ahead and sign up now before the price goes up next week. In this course, I'll be helping educators learn how to help students with dyslexia be successful As we dive into how students with dyslexia learn to read, how to make accommodations that really work in the real world, and how to set goals to help them succeed. If you want to know more about this new course, go to parnelloeducation.com forward slash courses, or you will also find the link in the show description right where you're listening to this episode right now. So without further ado, let's jump into our topic of today, which is how students continue to struggle and why they're not making as much progress as they could. 
So I'm going to dive into as many directions of this as possible. So there's a chance it might actually go longer than normal, but it's really to try to help all of you because there's different reasons why somebody may not be as successful as we would like them to be, despite our best efforts. So first thought, which is the type of instruction can really hinder progress. There are many reasons why a student may not be successful in the classroom as a parent or educator would hope that they would be. So let's start with the obvious. They may not be getting adequate instruction in the first place. They may not be getting explicit instruction on how to sound out words and the spelling rules that govern our language. There really are rules that govern our language that are actually fairly predictable, and there are tiny exceptions, but they're ones that usually make sense. Many schools still use curriculum that encourages guessing and memorization. So if a kid's not making progress, that's actually your first question. I've also seen some downright absurd programs that promise instant success. Anything that promises success in a certain number of hours is probably too good to be true. I just saw one such example last week that they had horrific letter markings that in no way represented the actual sounds being made by the letters and definitely was not teaching kids the reason for the letter patterns, which means they're setting them up for failure because they don't ever learn why the letters are making the sounds. They just did funny little squiggles to try to tell them what letter to say without actually telling them why the letter makes that sound. That's a problem. Another reason a student might be struggling is how instruction is being implemented. You can have a great reading program with horrible results if it isn't implemented well. For example, if it's a program meant for kids with dyslexia that has the expectation of three hours a week of instruction and a student is only being pulled out twice a week for 30 minutes, then they're getting one third of the instruction they they should really be getting to make progress based on how that program was designed. I've seen this so many times and it is heartbreaking And I know part of the reason this happens is because there ends up being only one reading specialist at an entire school and they're expected to help every child with a reading problem in the whole school. So the only way to make it happen is if they pull them in little 30 minute increments. And that's just not enough time to make progress. Two 30 minute reading instructions is really only one hour of instruction per week. And then what happens if there's like a holiday or a field trip on one of those days? That's only 30 minutes of dedicated instruction. And that can be a real problem. Another cause of students not making as much progress as you would expect would be how they're grouped. If students are in larger groups, more than two or three kids, often it's a lot slower to make progress because you have to wait for each kid to get their turn. So everything takes a little bit longer. And it's actually why I don't offer group instruction in my business. One-on-one instruction is always faster, but it's also way more expensive. So rarely will you find a school that offers ongoing one-on-one instruction. Typically, if a school offers one-on-one instruction, it's often only temporary as an intervention to try to catch them back up to the group. Now, adding on to that idea of how students are grouped, sometimes when you make a group of students, they're not actually all at the same level. Sometimes when they group students, it's actually just because that's the only way to make it work in the schedule, and the teacher has to make the best of what they're given. A lot of times teachers don't really have a choice in how many students that they have to work with or how many hours there are in a day. So sometimes kids are put together in a group when it's not an ideal combination because there's nowhere else to put them. And it's heartbreaking that we want to help every kid exactly at their level, but that's also not the real world. Sometimes it doesn't work out in a way that you would like to be able to put a kid in the exact same level group they belong in. I've seen sometimes schools will put all the seventh graders who need help in reading in one reading group. Guess what? All seventh graders not reading at the same level. But sometimes because of scheduling, it's the only way they're able to make it work because otherwise they're getting pulled out of math class and you can't exactly miss an entire year of math. That doesn't work out so well. 
So another struggle for progress could be caused by the time of day. When I was teaching over at the school, my students who were scheduled to come to me at the very end of the day often had their class canceled, not by me, but by assemblies, class parties, and parents pulling them out early for appointments. The kids who had me at the very end of the day inevitably almost every week would miss at least one day of instruction when they were in that last 30-minute block of the day. Just like I mentioned before, you cannot add more hours in the day. I was the only reading interventionist who pulled out kids in the middle of the class day, and there was nowhere else to put them. I have to, you know, eat and, you know, let them go to lunch and recess. So it's not ideal. So that could also be a reason why a student isn't making as much progress is if they don't actually have their bottom in a chair actually learning as much as you think that they are. I've also seen teachers throw the important instructional practices out the window because they didn't like them and they thought they were boring. I have a student who sees me privately, but also goes to a private school for dyslexia. I couldn't for the life of me figure out why she wasn't making progress at school before she came to me. When we use the exact same curriculum, there's nothing any different about it. And it turns out the teacher decided the main book used for the curriculum was boring, so she just never used it. Guess what happens when you take the structure out of a structured literacy program? You guessed it, it all falls apart. Think about a house. Without a structure, it all collapses. Same thing happens for reading instruction. No wonder the kid wasn't making progress. The kind of instruction for dyslexic kids isn't all that thrilling to look at. A lot of times there's no pictures. There's not a lot of really exciting, enthralling stories because they're controlled passages. But the reward is what happens after that. It's what happens after the less than thrilling instruction. It comes from the feeling of success. It comes from seeing a child read a chapter book for the first time. My job is not to entertain kids. It is to teach them to read. But the funny thing is, that's exactly what happens eventually. Learning to read turns them into finding books that do entertain them. So it's really important to remember that while it doesn't seem like really exciting and the student might complain that they're bored, that's okay. Reading instruction isn't meant to be the most exciting, fascinating thing in the world. It's meant to help the kids be successful in life so that they can find something that they find interesting and entertaining, because a lot of times you need to access most of our knowledge from some sort of written text. And I've had teachers that I've trained do the same thing. I have trained many teachers over the years, and there's been ones I've taught to do all the right things, and I walk in, I go, what on earth are you doing? This is not what I showed you how to do. And I've taught them on how to support the students, but they sometimes get a little lazy and don't want to put in the work that it takes because it takes a ton of planning to have customized instruction for those students who really need it. And I don't use the term lazy lightly. I know teachers work their tails off because teaching special education students takes a whole other level of effort and determination, and you have to be fully committed. It is not the kind of thing that you can just do halfway. It doesn't really work out that well. The burnout rate in special education is twice as much as general education. And that's also a pretty high burnout rate too. Most teachers don't make it past the first five years. Special ed teachers, you're lucky if they make it past three. This leads to very few educators in the long-term experience that really helps them know how to help the most struggling students. So sometimes you have a very well-intended teacher that is doing everything they can and everything in their knowledge base. But if they've only been teaching a couple of years, then get what you get. And you just got to keep supporting that teacher to keep learning and growing because they're doing the best that they can. But sometimes experience really does matter. At the same time, you don't always get the choice of how much experience your child's teacher has because we need caring, amazing, fantastic teachers. But these last couple years have been pretty rough. 
Many have left the profession over what's happened in these last couple of years. So now let's break it down into some special circumstances that slow down progress. Every child is unique, and with that come unique challenges that slow progress. So these are ones where all children with learning differences are going to take longer. These are the kids that take even longer. Ones where it might take a typical kid with dyslexia two, maybe three years. These would be the kids that take three, maybe five years to learn how to read. Remembering that each kid is different and the more complexities you add on, the longer that means it's going to take. So if a student has two, three, four different learning differences, that means things are probably going to take them a lot longer to learn. So let's talk about a few examples. If a child has very slow processing, that's automatically going to slow down progress to teach them at the pace that they learn. You can't just go faster if a kid processes slower. You have to slow to their speed at taking in information. Going faster just makes them feel left behind and frustrated. Forcing someone to try to make faster progress with a kiddo like that doesn't help anybody. You have to go slow at that kid's pace, and you have to know that that's okay. ADHD may slow down the pace if it takes more work to stay focused during learning time. So if a student needs a five-minute wiggle break every session, that's five minutes times five days in a week. That's 25 less minutes of instruction for just one subject area. And that's what they need because if you don't give them a break, that doesn't help anything either because they're certainly not learning if you don't give them a wiggle break when they've got ADHD. That is something you just have to keep in mind. It is not that learning slower is a problem. It's about us as adults needing to have patience. So that is the big thing to remember here. It is not that we always have to speed up our kids' instruction. Once they learn to read, they're pretty good for life on knowing how to read. They rarely backtrack if they were taught well. It's one of those things where we have to go at their pace, not ours. Another struggle could be oppositional defiance or other behavior struggles the student might have, and it could prevent them from learning because they're so busy fighting, refusing to do the work, or shutting down. And you cannot learn in that fight-flight-freeze mode. That also slows down progress. Some days are about the academics, and other days are teaching them social skills and how to survive their life. Another direction is if a student has a second learning disability, such as autism, that delayed their language skills and learning to talk. That is a sign that they are very likely to be slowed down in learning to read, since reading isn't as natural as speech is. So if that student wasn't doing well with speech, which is typically pretty natural, then what are they going to do with reading, which is very much not natural? We need to make sure that we give them time and patience and know that rushing them doesn't actually change how fast they learn. Sometimes. And then lastly, I kind of want to do a little bit of a story of an example of a really tricky kiddo that I've worked with. Sometimes there's more at play than we realize. I had one kid who was a bit like Finding Dory, you know, the fish from Finding Nemo. She totally knows something one day and apply a skill flawlessly. And then the next day, it's like she'd never even seen it before. It's like I was talking to a wall. She's like, huh? What? I don't get it. After years of struggle and me trying every tool in my teacher toolbox and, you know, giving her different reading teachers when we were at the school and seeing what they could do and using different approaches, I suggested seeing a medical doctor for further testing. And it turned out the student had a partial chromosomal deletion that prevented her learning. And so sometimes teachers can be trying their hardest But when there's more complicated things happening in our children's minds and bodies that are outside of our control, sometimes that can be a factor as well. Please note this is an extremely rare disorder that does not happen hardly at all. It is one of those freakish things that it just happens from time to time. And so this would not be my go-to. This was one of those things where we tried for two or three years and we were seeing things that always work suddenly not working. 
And then that's why we suggested extra additional testing. That's one of those things where please don't go thinking every child who can't read has a genetic disorder because that's definitely not true. But it's something to keep in mind. The more complicated of a case, the more likely there's something bigger going on. And with this child, we already saw other things that were off, such as their maturity and their stature and things like that. So it's not like it was something that you would expect a very typically behaving child to do. It was something we knew something just seemed a little different. One thing we really have to remember is that none of these situations mean a child can't learn. It just means it might take them a whole lot longer. And that's okay. I have one little cutie that I work with that it easily takes them 10 times longer to learn than most kids. They'll get there, but it'll likely take us a lot longer. And when we're done with learning how to read and spell, I'll likely need to support them in other academic areas when they get older. But their parents know this, and it's all about helping that child find their success at their own pace that they learn best. So remember, faster is not better if you're rushing a kid through something that requires mastery. We can't just fake our way into reading better. We need to give the time it it just takes sometimes. Based on all of this, let's talk about some of your options. One option, depending on your situation, is to ask about how that child is being taught to read. Is it based on explicit and systematic instruction that includes both phonics and comprehension? Let's start there. Another option is to ask for more instructional minutes at the next IEP meeting if they aren't making progress with the current amount. Sometimes a student just needs more of what they're getting. It's not that what they're getting isn't working, it's that they need more of it. Then you can also discuss the program being used and ask if it's being taught consistently with fidelity. Sometimes people are like, oh yeah, I'm doing that, but we really only do it on Monday and Tuesdays. And then on Wednesday, we do this other thing. And then Friday, I like to work on this, you know, fun Friday. So we want to make sure when we're asking the right questions that lead us to what is the actual cause for the child taking longer to learn than we would expect. To go back to the original question from Suheel, which is if your child is at a specialty school and it isn't working, you don't have to stay there. You can look at smaller, less expensive, regular private schools that have small class sizes and then maybe utilize that extra money to do private tutoring. Or sometimes you can find a public school that has better accommodations. Every once in a while, you can do um, an inter-district transfer or things like that where you can try to see if there's a different placement that you can do to make a public school a more reasonable option. Thinking about private schools, not all of them are created equally. So in my area, there are actually three schools for dyslexia. And I've seen some really disappointing results at some schools. And I've seen some make amazing progress with students. And I've seen some schools that are actually not made for learning differences that have shockingly impressive results with their students who do have learning differences. There's one of our private um, religious schools in the area that actually does amazing things with kids with learning differences. And so be sure to look into options you may not realize are available. Okay, so to recap this week's episode, we talked about what are they being taught? So sometimes a student not making progress is because they're being taught with a terrible curriculum. Then we talked about how instruction is being implemented, and that can be all sorts of different things. So it could be how frequently are they getting instruction? How big is the class size? How often are they getting it? Is it a program meant to be three hours of instruction a week and they're getting only one hour? Really looking at those minutes, how many minutes are they really getting of instruction? And then consider some of those special circumstances that can slow down progress and we would expect it to be slower and that's okay. For example, a student with multiple learning differences, a student has really slow processing or something like that. So there are some times where students slow progress as long as it's steady and consistently going up, even if it's teeny tiny little bits at a time, 
Sometimes slow and steady is actually what wins the race. And then lastly, we talked about our options, which are sometimes you can ask for additional IEP minutes. You can ask for requests for different curriculum. If it's for special education, you can try to make sure it has more explicit instruction. If you're in a private school that isn't making progress, maybe consider not staying at the private school. If the whole purpose is for them to get more help and they're not getting more help, then maybe try a different option. Sometimes private schools that are not for kids with dyslexia are significantly cheaper, but that small class size and better attention to the kids because there aren't so many kids in the room, that can sometimes make a really big difference. I know that's not an option for everybody. Some people have to stay in their public schools. I am very much a public school kid through and through. So do what you can in your area and knowing that a lot of times there are a lot of tutors you can get virtually these days, which also can make a big difference. So even if the school isn't helping, sometimes you can find a virtual tutor. So I tutor a kid all the way in New York because their school doesn't know how to help him, but I do. It's just one of those things where try to look at the different options that you have. All right, that wraps up all of our topics for today. Before you go, don't forget the pre-sale price of my brand new course for educators, which is an educator's guide to dyslexia, is only on sale until Sunday, May 7th, 2023, and then the price goes up to regular price. The class starts this summer after the busy school year is all over, and you get ongoing access to the course, so don't worry if you're going to be on vacation on the start date. That part isn't a big deal. All the info is at parnelleducation.com. You can find it on the courses tab or right where you're listening to this episode today. All right, that's it for today, friends. I'll see you next time. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. If you want to learn even more about dyslexia, check out parnelloeducation.com forward slash courses. See you next time.